happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Lord, we worship you today. We're honored to be in your presence today, Lord. Just tell him that this morning, Lord, we're honored to spend time with you today collectively as one church, as one voice. We lift high the name of Jesus today.
Amen. Amen. Well, you can turn to the neighbor next to you and say, it's going to be a good day in the house of the Lord. And then you can go ahead and be seated. Oh, what a joy to be with you today. And I want to take a moment and uh, thank the Lord for the fact that we had one extra hour of beauty rest after uh, a day of football where I think pretty much everybody won, right? Isn't that how that works? You praise the Lord when you... Anyway, I'm just... (laughs) No, it's going to be a great day in the house of the Lord, and I want to take a moment and welcome all of our first-time guests, those that are here for the very first time. What a joy it is to welcome you into the house of God today. Can you give it up for all of our first-time guests in the house today? Yeah, welcome. God bless you. We're so glad that you're here, so grateful that you're here today, and uh, we, we want to make sure that you feel right at home. We want to take a moment to connect with you after this service. We've got a guest reception uh, prepared, and we want to make sure to connect with you. Uh, But I I do want to do this, if you could, just take a moment and scan that QR code. And uh, if you maybe are tech savvy, you can do that. Otherwise, you can take out the connection card in the seat pocket in front of you and uh, make sure that that is a point of connection where you can get to know us a little bit better. We can get to know you a little bit better, but we're so grateful that you're here today. Also want to remind you the way to get connected for prayer. We've got the prayer wall in the back. Uh, We've got uh, access through that D1 text where you can give us the prayer requests. Right now, if you're watching with us online on Facebook live, you can go ahead and send us your prayer request right now and we'll be praying for you. Uh, Lots of things that are going on here at the church. Uh, We had We just had Trunk or Treat last week, served almost a thousand people in our community. Can I just say thank you to each and every one of you that participated, came alongside, loved our community well. And we want to continue to love our city by feeding Dothan. And upcoming, we know that Thanksgiving is almost here. Uh, It seems like, man, just seems like it was summer just a few days ago and now Thanksgiving's almost here. I want to let you know that we want to feed Dothan in a unique way this time. Uh, Instead, we were going to continue to distribute food as we do every single week, but this time we're going to be encouraging everyone rather than taking a box and taking it home and filling it up. We want to ask you to donate uh, for our $25 gift cards for turkeys this year. And if you want to go out and purchase a a Walmart gift card and then bring it back to us in that $25 amount, or right now you can go and scan the QR code and, um, or you can give during our time of giving and our offering for Feed Dothan. Uh, This is an opportunity where we get to celebrate with hands extended the good news of Jesus Christ and his love for us. And so I'm going to invite you, I'm going to encourage you, if you want to feed one family or two or three or five or 10 or 20, uh, you just make that dollar amount representative by the $25 gift card. And as, as I said, you can get the gift card, bring it back to us next Sunday, or you can simply go on, get that QR code, or just simply give today, making out a check or something, you can do that uh, today as well. Well, listen, this uh, weekend, my parents and, and Michelle and I had the opportunity to celebrate in a wedding in Texas. And if you can go ahead and put the picture on the screen, uh, Dave Reaver at 77 years old got married. There's a, a picture of them. I should have wore a cowboy hat. I can't believe I, I, was in South, I was in Texas and missed. Dad, 
we missed an opportunity for a cowboy hat, uh, but that was a uh, that was a great celebration, and uh, we wish Dave well. Many of you know him; he's a hero of faith, as well as a, a war veteran, and has done amazing things. And so we're grateful to God for him, and we pray blessing over he and his family today. Well, listen, we're, we got other celebrations that are getting ready to happen. Uh, we have a baptism that's getting ready to happen right now. And I'm so excited when we get the opportunity to take a moment in time to not only say yes to Jesus, but then take the next best step after salvation in obedience to Christ, which is baptism. And it represents the old life going down under that water and the new life coming up, uh, just representing Jesus' death and resurrection. So if you would... Go ahead and uh, turn toward the baptismal today for this special celebration. Good morning, Gotham First family. We're so excited to, again, as Pastor Mark said, uh, celebrate new life today. And uh, we're trying to fulfill our commitment to fulfill the Great Commission, as Matthew 28, 19 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And what we believe is that baptism is an outward confession of an inward commitment. So today we get the honor of baptizing uh, a young lady by the name of Lily Holt, and she'll go ahead and come down with her dad. Y'all give it up for her. Lily, you wanna wave at everybody? <laughs> so, uh, Lily, baptism represents three things, but the most important thing it represents, not only in Christ's death, his burial, and resurrection, it's the washing away of your sins. So I just have two questions for you, Lily. Are you ready for those questions? Do you love the Lord with all your heart? Yes. Oh. And do you promise to serve him for the rest of your life? Yes. All right. Well, today we had the special honor of letting Michael baptize his daughter. He's had three years of pastoral ministry, and so, Michael, I'm going to let you have this moment. Lily, upon the, your profession of faith in Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with him in his death, and raised to walk in the of life. Yeah! Come on, give it up for her! Lily, we're so proud of you, sweetie! Congratulations! Wow, what a beautiful moment! And uh, don't you just love when we get to celebrate these moments? I'm so grateful. And if many of you, uh, maybe some of you in this room, maybe not many, but some of you in this room, you may be in a, a situation right now where you'd say, Mark, I've come to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I've never really been baptized. This is an opportunity. It's a wonderful moment for you to celebrate in the things of God. And so uh, I would invite you to sign up and get prepared and get connected to that very special moment where you can say yes to Jesus in a very public way. And um, this is the time in our service where we get to give unto the Lord. How many of grateful God's blessed you? Come on, he's been good. He's been faithful. And you can see the five ways to give that are up on the screens here behind me. But I, I want to encourage you to make this an act of worship. This is all the parts of worship that we get to celebrate, uh, including our giving. It's not just about singing. It's a lifestyle of worship. 
And so as, you, as I said, the five ways to give it, and I also mentioned you can uh, be a part of our Feed Dothan program by giving above and beyond to see those needs met and for people to have a turkey on the table this Thanksgiving and those in need uh, to be ministered to as well. And um, I want to also let you know we've talked about steps of growth, like for example, from salvation to then baptism. But maybe you fulfilled those two and you've stepped out in faith, you've put your faith in Christ to be saved, you've made a determination to follow Him, you've been baptized, but maybe you've never been through our grow track. Well, typically we have grow track three weeks in a row. We have them either on three Sundays in a row or three Wednesdays in a row. Today we're doing something very special. We're calling it a day to discover. And it's just one day, okay? And we're going to provide a meal. So if, if you had something on the crock pot, you can let it keep crocking. And uh, come out and be a part of our day to discover. It's going to be out in the foyer. And to your left, it's actually where we normally have our guest reception. It's in our multi-purpose room. But I'd encourage you, if you've never been through Grow Track, if you don't know your spiritual gifts, if you're not currently using those spiritual gifts, if you'd like to be a member of this church, uh, this, if you want to get to know our team of leaders and what we believe and why we believe uh, what we believe, how we function as a church, that all happens in our Grow Track. And today is a very special day, a day to discover. So if you want to be a part of the day to discover, you can just, at the end of our service, out these doors and to your left, you can just uh, slip into our multi-purpose room and be a part of that very special moment. And uh, we're, we're looking forward to it. It's gonna be a great day to discover. I'm gonna take a moment and pray over our time of giving. But in the process of our giving, I really feel like one of the most important things that we can recognize when we get ready to give is our responsibility back to Christ because he first gave, right? God so loved the world that he first gave unto us. Well, what did, what did God give? He gave his only begotten son. So I'd like you to take out your communion elements today. It's both the bread and the juice representing the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some people say, well, why? Why do we have that? By the way, our ushers are coming to distribute. If you did not receive the communion elements, just go ahead and raise your hand, wave at them, let them know. They'll be glad to get that into your hands. All right. I see maybe a few in the balcony, a few on the main floor. I want to make sure all have received today before we participate. But Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, the Bible said that before he went to the cross, he said, this is going to be a new picture of the covenant that I've prepared. He said, the old covenant, if you think about it from a testament perspective, the old testament is being now fulfilled in the new testament or the new covenant. And Jesus said, it's going to be done with my body and my blood. It's going to be representative of what's about to, to, to be established in your life that you can have the forgiveness of sins, the washing away of that old life, and the opportunity to receive Christ in a new life, that you can say yes to Jesus, have your sins forgiven, have heaven as your home. And the Bible says that this is a strategic moment for the church to remember what Christ did. That listen, 
we say salvation is free, it costs Christ everything, everything. And so today, as we prepare to receive these communion elements, I want you to understand when he took the bread, he broke it, he gave it to his disciples. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. He says, take this and as you do, do it in remembrance of me. So today, Lord, we represent you and we, and we recognize and remember your sacrifice. Let's receive this bread by faith. Now, if you pull back the juice, the tab that, just pull that film back and prepare to receive the juice. After they took the bread, he took the cup, he lifted it. He said, this is, Jesus said, this is my blood in the new, this is the new covenant. And he says, I'm going to establish my covenant, but it's going to cost me every drop of my blood. He says, so I, I want you to remember the price that was paid for you and he says as you drink this he says do it in remembrance of me so Lord Jesus we remember the blood that was spilled on Calvary's cross Lord we recognize that it cost you everything and so today we receive this by faith we recognize the blood that was spilled for us thank you Lord Jesus let's receive this cup by faith Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to invite your elders to make their way toward our stations of prayer. Back here by this prayer wall, by the exit sign there, and back by this exit sign, by our prayer wall back there, and then up in our balcony area. We're going to take a moment and believe God in faith for miracles to take place in the house, for healing, for salvation for deliverance we're going to believe God for what seems impossible with man the Bible says all things are possible to them that believe believe in who? believe in Jesus Christ the only begotten son and I want to pray over you and then we're going to come and we're going to sing together but first I want to pray over you I'm going to pray we've been talking about giving and I'm going to take a moment and pray over you in our time of giving as well this is a time of remembrance of what Christ gave to us and then we give to him so Lord Jesus as we give of tithes and offerings and we give of our lives and we give of our song we give of our energy Lord we give of our strength God we give everything to you Lord body soul and spirit we're yours have your way in us today as we give of of Lord the gifts that we've prepared to bring but as we also give as unto you a sacrifice of praise I pray it would be pleasing in your sight in Jesus name amen would you stand up with us let's worship the king together and be reminded that the elders are waiting for you if you need prayer just slip out from where you're at and go receive prayer today
know, as we're singing this song, <laughs> um, I just feel like God is just wants you to trust Him. I know that there could be stuff going in, on in all of our lives that, you know, we're all walking through something. And I just feel like God wants you to know that He hears you. nobody even knows what you're going through or if something's going on he's had you the whole time he's had you from the beginning before you were even formed so you can trust him he's coming today and he's saying trust me because I am trustworthy and even if you don't see it right now it will come if he told you it will it's coming and you just wait it's coming he works in his time and he doesn't fail that's not who he is it's not in his nature to fail it's not in his nature to abandon you or to leave you or to disappoint you or to give you a false hope that's not who he is i was reading in hebrews 11 today and it's all about faith and literally it's just giving person after person throughout scripture by faith Abraham by faith Moses by faith Noah it's promises he had given to them and by faith they trusted him to move and even if they didn't see it in their lifetime we saw it in ours years and years later so trust God trust in him he's worthy and he's trustworthy and he will be faithful I can guarantee it I'm a living testament and if I can make it up here and do this, you can too, because we all walk through stuff. But if we walk hand in hand, it's not always going to be easier, but it's much more peaceful. And he's got you. So hold on to him, because he's holding on to you and trust him.
second this morning just to pour out your praise on him. trustworthy God that we can lean on, that you never change, you never have, and you never will. Thank you for your word, Lord, that we get to look back on and be reminded of your faithfulness through the ages, Lord. We worship you, we honor you today, Lord, because you alone are worthy of all of our praise. Amen. You may be seated. How many thank God that we serve a risen Savior? Come on, can you just thank God for that? Amen. And come on, give it up for those watching online right now. Come on, 
Welcome! We're so glad that you're joining with us today. And listen, if you're watching but never have been a part of the local church here at Dothan First, I encourage you and invite you to be our special guest and connect with us here at Dothan First. I promise we're going to make you feel at home and feel connected to the house of God. And there's a whole lot of folks that will love you uh, that are already here waiting on you. And can we take a moment, give it up once again for those that are here for the very first time in the building. Come on. We welcome you. God bless you. Go ahead, grab your copy of God's Word. And if you don't have a Bible, let us know. We'll gladly get God's Word in your hands. Uh, we would just want to make sure that you have a Bible. But can you say this with me? Say, I am what God's Word says I am. I can do what God's Word said I can do. I can become all that God said I could be. So today, I'll hear God's Word. I'll receive God's Word. And I'll obey God's Word. Because I love his word. Now turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you look better with an extra hour of beauty sleep. You just do. I don't know what it is, but you just. <laughs> uh, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. We're going to get there in a little bit. But uh, we've been talking specifically about this idea that purpose matters. Your purpose matters. What we do on this earth matters. And today we're going to be talking about reaching others with the love of Jesus Christ. Reaching out with God's love. How many know people are desperately in need of Jesus and his love? Come on, can you put it? Is that true? Desperately. Not just a little bit. Not just sort of. Not just kind of. People are desperate to know the love of Jesus Christ. And the great news is, good news, guess what? Here it is. God chose you. Just turn to your neighbor and say, God chose you. God chose you to be a representative of the most significant cause in the world. He, he has called you to be what the Bible says is an ambassador of the good news of his love. An ambassador, by the way, doesn't live in the country of his own origin. Think about this, right? He represents a different nation, but he's placed in a different country than his origin now as an ambassador you'd have to study the language and you'd have to study the culture and you'd have to study the laws of a particular society but you're not representing the country you're living in you're representing another country are you following this so we are ambassadors being called by God we're sent by someone else to represent them and their interests not our own that as a Christian, we are in the world, listen, but we're not, what, of this world. We belong to, the Bible says, another kingdom, right, a heavenly kingdom. We are representatives of a heavenly kingdom, and we are ambassadors on the earth in the short time that we're here. This place is not our home, but it is, listen, this place is our assignment. Not our home, but it's our assignment. And the job, our job, is to properly represent God the Father and God the Son. And guess what? God gave us his Holy Spirit in order to empower us to be his representatives, to be witnesses. Are you following this? So in order to represent the Father and the Son and have the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to do 
what we've been called to do. It's our job as ambassadors, as representatives. If he's given us that assignment, then what is the message that we're supposed to represent? Well, you see it, you probably saw it 10 times if you were watching football yesterday, you probably saw it at least 10 times because it's all over the place. Right? It's very simple. It's John 3, 16 and 17. <laughs> you saw people with probably rainbow hair holding up a sign, John 3, 16. Well, let me, let me tell you, it's really clear the message of the kingdom that we are representatives of that we are ambassadors of, that message is found in that passage. And all of you probably know it. John 3, 16, for God so loved the Christians. <laughs> for God so loved the ones that only did right, only did exactly what the Bible had to say, never sinned, never messed up, never made any mistakes before. Those that are called themselves uh, members of Dothan first, God so loved those people. Come on. That's what it's, right? Is that what it says? No, God so loved what? The whole wide world. He loved the whole world. Not just this big ball that we live on, but the people that reside in it. The world. The whole wide world. And it goes on to say he didn't come to condemn the world. He came to what? Save it. We got John 3.16 down, but we haven't gotten John 3.17 down. And so we haven't been proper representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're called to be, what the Bible says, ministers, everybody listen to this, ministers of reconciliation. That's what you're called to be, a reconciler. Not, a, not an angry person that represents your own desires or your own, even your own beliefs. You're representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your attitude is supposed to represent his. Your words are supposed to represent his. Your social media account is supposed to represent his agenda, not your agenda. Are you following this? Right? We've been bought with a price. We no longer are our own. We've been given our, over to God. And more than that, we gave ourselves to God. We were the ones that chose and said, Okay, God, you chose us before the beginning of the foundation of the world. You set up a, a system by, way, by the way that we could get to heaven. You gave us the free gift of salvation through the death, burial, and resurrection of your son, Jesus. You sent your son into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save it. And you gave me the opportunity. And now, Lord, I give of my life. I repent of all that I've done wrong. This is how we become a Christian. Christianity 101, this is how you do it. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You believe in your heart that God's raised you from the dead. The Bible says then you'll be saved. All right? And so with this knowledge, we're supposed to actually do something with what we've been given. Otherwise, he would just strike us down with lightning immediately. As soon as I said yes to Jesus, then I'm no longer valuable on the earth. So you might as well take me to heaven. Because Lord, you know I'm going to mess up after I said my prayer of salvation. Come on, somebody. Oh, don't adjust your halo like you so perfect in this room. After salvation, you've made a few mistakes. How many of you say, yeah, after salvation, I've made a handful. All right. So you're figuring this out. 
We're ministers of reconciliation. And every person in this world, the Bible says, has value, has purpose. And God loves them, and so we're supposed to do all we can to love them, giving of our time and our talent and our treasure in whatever ways that we can to love others. That is our responsibility. And that's why the last thing Jesus said to his disciples as he was about ready to, to ascend into heaven after his death, burial, and resurrection. Now he's about ready to ascend. He looks at his disciples and he says, and he might as well have been talking to you and me, you will be my witnesses. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. There it is. Jesus said, let's read it out loud, that portion together. You, oh, now you got to get it ready. That was only two of you. Let's try it again. We're going to read it all together, out loud. Here it is, ready? You will be my witnesses witnesses. So what's a witness? Well, I've talked about this many times. If you're in a courtroom, a witness is someone who has seen something or heard something and they give an eyewitness account, right? That's their testimony. Put their hand on a Bible. Tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help you, God, right? I will. You're not called to be the prosecutor or the defense attorney. You don't have to defend God. God's big enough to defend himself, But we are ambassadors telling the witness of our faith, which is what we've seen and what we've heard. That's why you don't have to have a Bible degree to be a witness. That's why you don't have to have a theology degree. Now, it's not wrong to have those things. It's really good. You should study to show yourself approved unto God, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, someone who rightly divides the word of truth, who knows what the word says and does what it says. But as his representatives on the earth, we're only called to be a witness. And being a witness doesn't mean you argue over your theology and doctrine. It's that you tell the world of the love of Jesus Christ. And that you, the way that you describe it is by telling the testimony of what you have said, what you have done in your life that was wrong, that was ineffectual, that was against God and his word and his laws, and how God saved you, transformed you, And now every good thing that God has done, because every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above, that means everything that you've done positive in your life is a gift from God. God gave it to you as a gift. Every miracle, every blessing. You've got testimony after testimony of the goodness of God. Listen, we have an endless supply, friends, of testimony of what God has done in our lives. And if you don't, you need to think a little harder. (laughs) Because he's done so much. For all of us. And it's our job to be a witness. That's our job on the earth. Anytime God's done anything good for you, it becomes then a testimony of his goodness. Then we get to tell our story, right? To be a witness, to share what I've done. And when it comes to our faith, sometimes it's, it's difficult for us as believers to share because we feel like we're going to mess it up. We're going to uh, not say the right thing doctrinally or theologically or hermeneutically or homiletically or whatever your bent is on how the Bible reads. And so you have this concern that you're going to be confused when you go to articulate what God has said or what God has done. And you've you got to just set that aside. Listen, the, one of the best examples of a witness was I once was blind, (laughs) now I can see. Well, who did it? I'm not even sure. I got to go find him and tell you about him later. Think of this. Once I was blind, now I see. This is a witness. This is a testimony. 
So what's the best way to witness in this world? Well, I can promise you there's a lot of good ways to witness, but the very best way, the greatest witness is to show love. That's the, God, it doesn't just have love, he is love. Therefore, if you are loving, then you are properly representing his love because John 3.16 says, God so what? Loved the world. This world is so unkind and mean and hateful and rude and unforgiving and obnoxious and self-centered and incredibly unloving. And so when you're loving, it is such a huge contrast that people are like, there must be something different about you. Because everybody else is unloving and you're loving, so there must be something different about you. That's how you become God's ambassador of love with the good news. Bible even goes on to say, they will know that you're my disciples. They'll know that you're Christians. They'll know that you're believers, true believers, if you have love. And if you showcase that love. So every time you show love, you become a Christian witness. Matter of fact, I have found that the most hateful atheist or agnostic or unbeliever, when they are met with God's love, true love, not an argument, but they're met with God's love, it is so transformative that they can't fight it. There's nothing to fight. You can't fight me if my hands are back, back here. You know what I'm saying? Are you feeling this? Are you understanding this? This is how Jesus showed love. Now, I've been summing up this idea of God's uh, plan for our lives in the Word of God, where he talked to one of the religious in Mark chapter 12, and uh, he was asked, what's the most important command to follow? And Jesus then said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but then he followed it up with love your neighbor as yourself, and so basically he summed up the whole Bible in four words, love God and love people, and that's kind of the, 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 if I could get a memo to anyone in this church as it relates to what we believe and how we function as a church, it would be four words, right? Love God and what? And love people. I say it in almost every sermon. If you don't have it in seven years, there's something wrong with you, not me, okay? If you've been here for seven years and you still don't know those four words, you're in big trouble because that's what Jesus, the Messiah, said was the most important thing to do. But then I gave you some outlets, some ways in which you can fulfill those four words. And I said the first purpose in life is to know and love God. That's called worship. The second is to connect with a church, uh, the family of God, and to love them. That's called fellowship. And then I talked a, a little bit about our third purpose in life was then to grow up spiritually, right? That's called discipleship. And then I taught you about the fourth purpose last week about serving God by serving others. That's called ministry. But interestingly, there's this fifth purpose that I want to talk to you about today and maybe in uh, some weeks to come is probably the most difficult of all topics because the first four that I just mentioned, we will be able to practice in heaven. Think about it. Worshiping God. We can practice that one in heaven. Fellowship. We're going to be with the saints of God. We're going to have a lot of fun together in heaven. That's a great thing. We're practicing on earth to practice in heaven. It's awesome. Discipleship. We're going to grow 
in understanding, to be like him, to see him face to face. We'll, we'll, we'll be growing. And then the ministry of service, we're going to be able to serve one another. We're not, look, I don't know what you think what, you know, about what heaven is going to be like, but it's not sitting on a cloud with a harp. You know what I'm saying? I mean, at least I got to have a drum set up there. I mean, don't give me just a harp now. I'm just saying our, our, our weak idea of what heaven is all about. Friends, there's going to be an aspect of service. We get to serve the Lord and serve one another. That's our ministry. But this last one, we will not and cannot practice in heaven. And that is because the fifth purpose is to go and reach lost people. And those people aren't going to be in heaven without us doing something on earth to start ministry. It's called evangelism. And there's a love application for all five of these. To love God and love others. God gave us this strategy to show love to others. It's an act of worship because we love God by loving others. We, we show love uh, to others. It builds up our fellowship, our connectivity, our relationship, Christians coming together. We show love to others by becoming more like Christ. And, and as we get more like Christ, we're growing in our faith. And that's called discipleship. And then uh, we have this love outlet to others by serving them. That's called ministry. And then the most important assignment pre-heaven is evangelism. Go be my witness. Go be my ambassador. Go be my representative. We show love to others by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay, so it's God's heart to have you showcase every gift, every talent, every ability that you have to show the love of Christ to others. That's, that's our number one job on the earth, to love God by loving others. That's the best outlet. I'm making it as simple as I can. This is 101, friends. I know you're looking for deep and theological. I'm giving it to you right now. This is about as deep as we can go because it's the only thing we're not going to be able to practice in heaven. Are you following this? This is a command from scripture. So how do you love people? And how should you show the love of Jesus? Well, let's get practical. The very first one is this, is you got to pay attention to the needs of lost people. Pay attention to the needs of lost people in, in your neighborhood, at work, at your school, on the soccer field, on the football fields, wherever you connect with others, in the grocery store, at the gas station, wherever you're connected to people, even in your own family, you're showing the love of Jesus Christ. That's your outlet for evangelism, especially those who don't know Jesus. You're paying attention to those. If, you're, if you care, you'll be aware awareness is an aspect of the love of Jesus Christ. And so that's the number one thing that we can do. But the problem is the reason that as Christians we're often unloving is not because you're bad, it's because you're busy. You've become too busy in all the other scheduled assignments of life to overlook the most important reason that God actually left you as a believer on the earth. You're too busy. You overlook things. You go from event to event and activity to activity and scheduled event to scheduled event. And you become so busy that you overlook the primary responsibility of every Christian in the room. You're not noticing. You're not looking. You're not listening. It's hard to be loving if you're not looking and you're not listening. Are you following this? Paying attention is the highest act of love. Philippians chapter 2 verse 4 says it like this. Look out 
for one another's interests, not just for your own. When my kids were little, especially my daughters and one in particular, I would be watching a football game or some sporting activity on television. And she would start in on a conversation in the fourth quarter, the minute and a half left to go, one time out, <laughs> games on the line, down by three. And my daughter would come to me and want to have a conversation. Now, I did, with Michelle's permission, train both of my girls that, hey, you're most important, but timing is everything. <laughs> okay, <laughs> timing timing is everything. But it would seem as though they would waltz in and they'd want to tell me something and it was right then. And thankfully I can pause and thank God for DVRs. Thank God for pausing. But I would, she would finally, after trying to get my attention, I'd be looking over here at her for two seconds, but my eyes would be over here. You, come on, somebody, you know what I'm talking about. She'd climb up in my lap and grab my little cheeks. <laughs> Get in my face and go, Daddy, pay attention to me. It's hard to not pay attention to a child that says, pay attention to me. But you know what? This, for you grown-up daddies in the room, I want you to understand it's the highest, it's the highest and most expensive gift you can give because it's, a, it's, a, it's your time. It's a slice of your life. It's something you can't get back. You can give gifts and buy, get more money to make more money to be able to buy more gifts. But so many husbands and dads in particular, just speaking from my experience, we, we, get, we say, well, I don't know what my family wants. I mean, they got a roof over their head. <laughs> they, got some most, they got clothes on their back, food on the table. What more do you want from me? They want you. They want you. They want your attention. And paying them attention is the highest form of love that you can possibly give them. Mark chapter 10, verse 21 is an interesting passage of scripture because this Jesus is met up with this young ruler and he's got some questions and he's got some issues. And the Bible says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. If we could follow just that small portion of the scriptures today, Jesus looked and then he loved. Looking and listening for people's needs. Now, I'm about to shift gears, okay? And it's just 11.01, okay? Actually, we gained an hour, so I feel like I have an extra hour with you today that I'm going to take up. I'm about to shift gears, but if you'll do me a favor, if everyone will kind of pull their toes back underneath their, their pews for just a second, because I'm about to step on some toes. I've been doing it for the last like three or four weeks, so you should be used to by now. There are people with steel toe boots that are coming into church now because of the last few weeks. But just turn to your neighbor and say, get ready, your toes might hurt. Just get ready. I'm going to say some things, and you're going to have some questions. And then I'm going to back them up with scriptures. So then you won't have any questions. Another way that you can show the love of Jesus Christ 
is stop being offended by unbelievers when they sin. Stop being offended by unbelievers when they sin. Can I just tell you something? Grace is messy. (laughs) It is messy. Love, unconditional love gets a little messy at times. And we can't say, well, if you'll just get your act together, then I'll love you. If you live the way I say, then I'll love you. Clean up your life first, and then I'll love you. Do everything right, and then I'll love you. Jesus didn't do it that way. No, grace is messy, and love is unconditional. And if you're going to minister to people, you can't be offended every time we turn around. Jesus wasn't offended. Matter of fact, he hung out with them. He hung out with the, what the Bible said is the worst kinds of sinners, prostitutes and drunks and corrupt business people. In fact, he was accused by being guilty by association, but apparently he didn't care about his reputation. He cared about winning lost people. So he hung out with them. And whatever they were doing, he was around it. Doesn't say he was doing it necessarily, but he was around it. Clearly, he was around it. He hung out with people who were corrupt and immoral and unloving and manipulative. Jesus did not let, listen, their sin keep him at a distance. The Bible says, look out for the the, the needs of the people around you. And my friends, can I just tell you, it's hard to look out for someone when you're looking down on someone. There comes a point in your spiritual life where you grow up enough that someone else as an unbeliever who's doing what they're really good at doing, unbelief, sinners sin. And they're doing what they're doing really well. And it's offensive to the point that you keep them at arm's length. Christians cannot look down on others. As a follower of Jesus, you don't have the right to look down on the world that Jesus loves and paid for with his precious blood. Well, their politics are wrong. So what? You still love them. Their lifestyle is wrong. So what? You love them. Their moral views are all screwed up. So what? You still love them. Well, I I don't remember anywhere in the scriptures where Jesus said, you don't have to love that type of person. I don't remember anywhere in the scriptures. If you're going to be ambassadors of God's love, you've got to show love to all. Jude chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, it says, show mercy to those, listen, whose faith is wavering. That means if they're an atheist, you can still say, I still love you. If they're an agnostic, you can say, hey, I still love you. If their faith is wavering as a believer, and often, listen, as American Christians, we put our idea about Christianity and theology into this box that if God does exactly what we say, then he's a good God. But if he does anything different than the prayer I prayed or what I wanted, if I didn't get the promotion or if someone passed away in my life or if someone let me down or if some Christian let me down or if some church let me down, then I no longer have a right to God because God doesn't love me anymore. And that's such a wrong mentality about God. 
God is love. We live in a sin-filled world. And disappointments are going to take place because this isn't heaven yet. We can't get our theology messed up, friends. So that means if a person in your sphere of influence was once serving the Lord and has now turned their back on God because they had a disappointment, because they had a wrong theology, you still love them. You still love them. Well, I don't know what I believe right now. I still love you. I still love you. I'm not going to look down on you. I'm still going to love you. Now, showing love, listen, does not excuse everything and saying it's okay, right? A, a, a corrupt lifestyle, living a corrupt way is not okay. According to the scriptures, we understand that. We get that. But when you expect an unbeliever to follow the laws of God, when you're struggling to follow the laws of God, come on, somebody. Somebody's been smoking for 30 years, and we're expecting them to walk through the doors and just be angelic, hit that last smoke, and then, and then never, ever have any temptation ever again. Somebody comes in and they're an alcoholic and they've been struggling for 30 years with that alcohol and then they walk through the doors with the smell of booze on their breath and we have the idea that we're supposed to judge them rather than love them, that we're so consumed and concerned about what they once were that we're not looking forward to see what they can be. And the fact is, they've been struggling for 30 years. You've been a Christian for 30 years and you're still struggling with gossip. Come on, somebody. You're still struggling with being unloving and having a wrong theology. Are you following this? Move your toes back. It's going to get worse. In other words, the difference, there's a difference between acceptance and approval, right? Listen, if you're addicted, it's, that's not okay, but I love you. Does that make sense? If you're practicing corruption, it's not okay, but I love you. Jesus accepts completely, but he doesn't approve of everything. Are you following? He doesn't approve of everything that you and I do but he loves us. To love and accept doesn't mean that what they're doing is right. Are you following this? I have to adapt in order to live in this culture and love people that are very unloving and have really screwed up ideas about what life is all about. But then I have to live in such a way that I don't adopt their beliefs and habits. Are you following this? Paul said it like this, I become all things to all people so that I can reach people. All things. To the Jew, I become a Jew. To the Gentile, I become a Gentile. It's so weird, but it's good theology. And the church needs to become more like the Apostle Paul. My, look, that one that's watching online that doesn't want to darken the doors of a church, your smoking isn't going to bother me. You... I don't want you to get cancer, and I don't want you to have the, the constant need for the nicotine, but I'll sit with you while you're smoking and tell you about Jesus, because I love you. Are you following this? I'm not going to judge your, your current behavior. I, I got enough problems I got to deal with. Come on, somebody. And we all do. First Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says this, most importantly, everybody say most importantly, Love each other superficially. Is that what it says? Love each other as long as everybody's doing what you want them to do. Most importantly, love each other what? Deeply. Love has a way of not looking at others' sins. Isn't that beautiful? 
So we're supposed to look out for people's needs and interests and even their hurts, and we should pay attention to that, but we're supposed to not pay attention or to overlook those current sins. Ephesians chapter two, 4, uh, verse 2 says, be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults. Here, why? Because of what? Because of what? What does it say? Because of your love. It means cut each other some slack. Listen, friends, this principle, this principle and the principle I'm about to give you, if we would just do these two things, America would change overnight for the gospel. I'm telling you. The next one is this. Don't expect unbelievers to act like believers until they are. Don't expect unbelievers to act like believers until they are. It's that simple. It's so logical. Uh, They're not Christians, so don't presume they're going to act like it, right? Now, we should expect believers to act like believers, but we should also expect that unbelievers are going to act like unbelievers. Are you following this? I'm not saying it's good. (laughs) I'm just saying it's real. You can try to make a law a a moral law for unbelievers to change their hearts. Come on. You could make a law that no no more bigotry, right? No more bigotry. How many of you know you could make that law? People are going to break it all day. Why? Because only Jesus can turn a bigot into a lover of people. Are you seeing this? Matter of fact, the the Bible talks about that uh, before you're a believer, you don't even have the power to change. Who gives us the power to change? Christ gives us the power to change. The Holy Spirit inside of us is what actually gives us the power to change. It's trying to put the cart before the horse. We're trying to change the laws and we've got to change the heart of human beings. That's why the whole book of Romans is about is that the law is powerless. But God's grace and his love and his mercy is what changes lives. Let me talk about the prodigal son for a little bit. You can turn there if you want, but I'm just going to allude to it. I'm not going to probably read much of it. Many of you know the story. If you've been in church for a while, you've probably heard of the prodigal son. But what you'll find the text in context is that in Luke 15, verse 1, it says this, that tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Just get that in your brain for a minute, okay? So pretending that this spot represents Jesus' teaching, then all of you, most of you, would then have been the tax collectors and the notorious sinners, okay? Not just the, and and I like the word that they use, notorious, there. It's good. It represents that it's a little worse than what you can imagine. Are you following this? They were really good at sinning. Notorious. And Luke chapter 15, verse 1, says that they were coming to hear Jesus teach, which is really interesting because you don't see a lot of notorious sinners following most pastors. That's an indictment, by the way, on on all of us as believers. The world doesn't even want to hear what we have to say because we're just not saying it well enough or with the attitude of love represented behind it. But here's what it says. This made the teachers and the Pharisees of, and the teachers of religious law really happy because finally these sinners are getting connected to Jesus. No, it says they were 
upset and complained that he was associating with sinful people and even eating with them. Okay, so that's the text in context. Now let's talk about the story. So then Jesus looks at them, knows that what they're thinking and feeling and saying to each other. Do you see these tax collectors and sinners listening to Jesus? I can't believe this dude, right? Just put your mind, I want you to be there in the moment. Think about it. And then Jesus goes into a dissertation explaining first about this lost, if the, the, the very first one was the lost sheep. If you have 99 if you have one that gets out of the sheep pen, you got 100, 99 are still in the sheep pen, one gets loose, you're supposed to go out and find them. And when you find them, you're going to rejoice. And the Pharisees are still doing this. And Jesus is like, okay, clearly this is not getting through. So then he talks about a lost coin. He's like, clearly these Pharisees are all about money anyway. Maybe if I bring up money, because they clearly don't care about farmers and lost sheep, maybe they'll care about money. So they talk about it. He talks about an expensive coin. He says, if you lose that one coin, you'll search your whole house. You'll light a lamp. You'll go through the whole house. You will flip that house upside down to find that one coin. And when you find that coin, you'll rejoice. And they're still doing this. And Jesus is like, okay, this is two. I'm going to give you three strikes and then you're out. He says, okay, fine. Apparently, you're acting like you don't care about money, and clearly you don't care about animals. So let's talk about your own son. Then he tells this story. It's a parable, okay? This, this isn't necessarily the actual occurrence. You do understand that a parable is a, it's a, it's a heavenly story, or it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's the outward uh, symbolic picture of what Jesus is trying to teach this group of people. And here, he talks about a son Father had two sons, an older and a younger, and we understand what happened in the context that the younger of the two asked for the inheritance early. He said, Dad, before you die, I want to take my inheritance now. He takes it, goes off, lives in riotous living, like wine, women, and song, all of the things that you could think of that he was doing, and he ends up completely broke, and he ends up trying to find work, and there's none to be had. And now the Bible says he's slopping pigs. He's, he's throwing feed to hogs. And he, he wishes that he could eat from the, what's being given to the hogs because he's that hungry. Okay, so this is a desperate situation. The Bible says that he comes to his senses. And then the Bible says that when he, he says, my, my father's hired hands are living better than this. I, I need to go back and apologize. So he comes back and before he can even fully repent, because he's got his story down. Uh, I'm, gonna, I don't, I'm not worthy to be in your home. I'm not worthy to live here. Uh, but if I could just be one of your hired hands, I repent for what I've done wrong. Dad, please forgive me. And the Bible says that his father, looking for him clearly, sees him afar off, comes running as fast as he can toward that son. And, and before the son can give the prepared speech, the father grabs him up and holds him and hugs him and kisses him, completely undignified in that culture, and then says, get the ring, get the robe, get his sandals. This kid is going to have a party thrown for him. Now, that's the beauty of someone who's made their way back to the cross. 
But what I want you to focus in on for just one minute is not the young son, because we often end with hurrah, praise God, the prodigal came home. And we pray for prodigals in this room that don't know Jesus and those that are watching online right now and those that are on those prayer walls right now. We pray all the time, send the prodigals home. But Lord, send them to a loving home that will embrace them and kiss them. See, what happens is he doesn't end the story with the hurrah. He actually ends on a sour note. Because then he talks about the elder brother, the older one, the one that's supposed to know better, the one that never left, the one that's hanging out in the church building still. Because this was all about the Pharisees and winning the lost. Remember the context. The Pharisees were indignant that Jesus was hanging around sinners and talking to sinners and loving sinners right where they were. And they were upset and indignant. So what happens? The Bible says that the elder brother finds out what's happening and says, what happened? He asks what happened. He said, there's a celebration going on. One of the servants says, there's a celebration going on. your, Your younger brother, guess what? He's home. He's come home. This is amazing. Your dad's killed the fatted calf, got the sandals, got the ring, got the robe. This is awesome. And the elder brother, instead of being excited that his little brother has finally made his way home and didn't die out in the pig pen somewhere, puts a scowl on his face and starts talking about his rights. Yeah, but dad, what about me? I should get this and I should get that and I should have this and I should have that. And why haven't you done this for me? And why haven't you done that for me? And he starts arguing with the father and the Bible says that that father pleaded with the elder brother. He begged the elder brother. Verse 28, the older brother was angry and would not go in to celebrate. And his father came out and begged him and said, your brother was dead. He was as good as dead. And now, now he's alive. He finally came home. And why didn't the elder brother love that younger brother enough to go out and find his younger brother in the pig pen? Why didn't he care enough to run out? Let me tell you something, friends. We have gotten so caught up in churchiosity that we have forgotten our assignment on the earth. We have gotten so caught up in what we think church is supposed to be that it's a little social club that we all hang out and then we all have our complaints about what we don't like we don't like this song or we don't like that song or we should have this color of carpet or that color of carpet and all that nonsense means absolutely nothing because we got to go out into those fields and find our younger brother and tell him I don't care what you've done I don't care how you smell I don't care the, the alcohol on your breath it doesn't matter what happened last night in the, in the club what matters is there's a father waiting for you at home And until you start smelling like pig slop, I'm not sure you've gotten what Christianity is all about. We've got to come to a place and grow up enough to set aside whatever agendas we think we might have and have a come to Jesus meeting where we say there's still a younger brother out there. And as long as there's one left remaining near that hog pen, It is our responsibility to go get them. Go get them. What are you waiting on, friends? Go get them. Go get them. 
And you don't even have to bring them to the church. That'd be great, but they may not want to show up here. So go where they are and love them into the arms of Jesus. Love them right into his arms. Worship team, if you'd come as we close. Everybody's shoes are bleeding. I, I got to stop. Can you imagine how indignant Jesus was when he was talking to these Pharisees and he talked to them about the lost sheep and they didn't care. He talked to them about the lost coin and they didn't care. Even talked about the lost son and they still didn't care. Friends, we as a, a church body represent the Pharisees. We do. Because you have enough word in you to go do what you need to do. You got plenty. Matter of fact, you've been feasting for so long. You've got so much word in you. The revelations of the Lord have been released over you. At least since I've been here, all I can speak to is what I've shared with you. And I can just tell you over the last seven years, I've released over you plenty enough word to win this city. Plenty. You say, Mark, are you mad at us? No. Are you kidding me? This is the greatest joy of my life. You're some of the most loving people I've ever met in my whole life. If you were angry, rude, and obnoxious all the time, I wouldn't be telling you to go out and get more people in here so they can be around more unloving people. Are you kidding me? Matter of fact, I think the Holy Spirit sometimes tells non-Christians to run when some certain believers come walking their way because they're like, you're going to represent me so bad that I just need to get this non-believer away from you and into the connectivity of somebody, another Christian who will love them right. I'll become all things to all men. If just one person could know. Just one. If we could just win one person. Friends, I think sometimes we've created a society in our Christian life where we're trying to turn converts before we're ready to even build any relationship. We still want to love people at a distance. You want to know how I know? I dare you to take a picture with a political figure that doesn't really think like you and watch social media blow up. I dare you to take a picture with someone with a lifestyle that we all know is not biblical or godly. Take a picture near them. You don't even have to be, you don't have to be with them with your arm around them. You could just be near them and watch social media. Christians blowing up social media. I can't believe that person was with so-and-so. I can't believe that person was standing near so-and-so. Don't they know what they believe? Don't they know what they think? Yeah, we do. And we're trying desperately to win them if you'll help us. Do we excuse behavior? Do we accept it as biblical and right? No. But Jesus, apparently, the way he thought about reputation was he made himself of no reputation. And he said, you know what? I could care less. Until you care about your, your little brother that's still out there, I'm going to keep going out and trying to find him. Whatever I have to do, and if I have to overstep all your religious rules to get there, I'm going to do it. 
I will eat grain on the Sabbath day to prove that I care more about people and their needs than I do about the religious laws. This is true. Don't have me give you a dissertation because I'll take the next hour to give you a dissertation of all the laws that Jesus broke on purpose in front of everybody just to prove how much he cared more about souls. Mark, are you mad? No, I am desperate. I'm desperate. That's what I am. I'm watching a world that's lonely and hurt and broken and confused and lost. And the problem is, is the further we intentionally separate at, a di- at an arm's length, our love from them, the more messed up they become. And then we just get on our soapbox and say, how bad the world's gotten. Well, how, how bad does the world have to get? How much worse does the world have to get before we start actually doing what Jesus asked us to do and start loving these people and coming connected to them so that they can trust us enough to give them the gospel? One day, you and I are going to stand before God. Death, it's, it, it's going to happen. The mortality rate is 100%. Like we are all, I hate to say it, we're all going to die. Not, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but eventually. And, and when we stand before God on that judgment day, he's not going to ask you how many titles you had in the church. He's not going to ask you what committees you've served on in the church. He's not going to ask you if you painted the walls of the church. He's not going to ask you anything about your work schedule or how good your son or daughter was at baseball, soccer, softball, or any other travel team out there. He's going to ask you, did you prioritize my son and how many people have you witnessed to and shared the love of Jesus with? That's what he's going to ask. And, and this, listen, we're ambassadors. This isn't our home. This is just our assignment. It's time for us to go to work. In Jesus' name. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord Jesus, in this room, we as your servant saints desperately need a love and a compassion for people that are broken and hurting. And Lord, if you can't shake us to wake us, then you'll use someone else in our absence. So I pray that we would learn from these stories today, from these life lessons that you shared, and that we would become what you've called us to be, ambassadors, ambassadors. Forgive us, Lord, when we've gotten hung up on titles and opinions, when we've gotten caught up in gossip or backbiting or unloving conversations. Forgive us when we've made false assumptions about other people and even the intentions of other Christians to win the world. Forgive us when we've weighed in in a negative way for people that are truly trying their best to love the unbeliever. And now I pray you would teach us to get our feet dirty in the hog pen, bringing our little brother home. Forgive us, Lord, when we've acted like a petulant child as an elder brother in the house. Help us to be kingdom-minded, spiritually-minded, And forgive us when we've lost sight of all of that. 
if you just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, there may be some in this room you'd say, Mark, I need Jesus to come into my life. Maybe you've been the one that's a prodigal that's been away from God and you just needed to know the love of Jesus Christ is still there for you, that he hasn't given up on you, that he still is waiting with arms extended, ready to receive you and and kiss you and give you the signet ring and give you the robe and give you the sandals, whatever it may be. But I'm telling you, friend, today is your day. Whether you're here in the room or watching online, Jesus' love is extending to you to say, come home. And if that's you, or maybe in this room, you'd say, Mark, I've, I've had that religious mask on for so long, but secretly, I've really not been doing the work of the kingdom of God. Or maybe some of you, this is the first time you've ever heard about Jesus' love. Friends, I invite you to repent and believe, for that's what the Bible calls us all to do. With heads bowed and eyes closed, please, for just a moment, If you'd say, Mark, I need Jesus to come into my life or I need to make him Lord and Savior of every area, whatever category you happen to fit in, I'm inviting you right now to slip up your hand, acknowledging by the raised hand, Mark, that's me. Include me in this prayer right now. Come on, all over this place. Yeah, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. Yeah, anybody else? That's you today. In the balcony, on the main floor, God bless you. Yeah. Anybody else? Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Yeah. There may be others that are believers in this room and you'd say, Mark, uh, in all honesty, I, maybe I've, you can say, I've never really won anybody to Jesus Christ. I, 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 I've not been a soul winner. I've, I, maybe I, you don't know how to do it. I'm going to teach you how to do that. But maybe you'd say, Mark, I really want to take this message seriously and I want to do something for the kingdom's value. I want to be a soul winner. If that's you, would you slip up your hand all over this place? Yeah, God bless you. So many hands lifted. God bless you. Yeah, I want to be a soul winner. Before I leave this earth and stand before God, I want to be a soul winner. I want to bring as many to heaven as possible. God bless you. Yeah, you can put your hands down. I want to lead you in this closing prayer, but first I want to pray over you. Lord Jesus, those that are desiring to be soul winners, I pray that this message would stir their faith, that they would get excited, enthusiastic, and incredibly loving toward the lost. Lord, turn our attention back to you and your focus. Keep our mind on the kingdom as ambassadors representing you. And now if you would, all in this room, if you pray this prayer out loud after me, simply say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I repent for all I've done wrong. I believe that you died and rose again for me. I make you Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for changing me. I choose to trust you with every area of my life. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you stand up all over this house and celebrate with the goodness of God? Come on. Let's put our hands together and celebrate. Lord, we love you. We honor you. Let's worship the King together.
remind you that we have what's called a day to discover. As a matter of fact, I even made a mistake uh, earlier. This will be the only time we've not had a, a special welcome for first time guests and our apologies for that. But we wanna make room for anyone that would like to be part of our day to discover. So if you wanna be part of our grow track, if, if that's your heart's desire, and uh, as I said, we'll have food prepared and we've got childcare provided. We just wanna make sure if you wanna connect, today is your day. It's a one week instead of three weeks. And so I'd encourage you, you just make your way out the doors and then head toward where we normally would have uh, our guest reception. You can turn into our multi-purpose room and uh, celebrate with us there in the grow track where we'll have our day to discover. If you wanna be a member of the church or have, have a ministry in the church or know about what we believe, all of that's gonna be talked about right there at Grow Track. So I'm going to encourage you to be a part of that. And uh, before we go, I'm going to dismiss some of our leadership team to prepare. And some of our greeters are going to go out in the foyer and greet you on the way out today. And as I said, our first time guests, we're so glad that you're here. Please come back. We'd be so honored to have you back with us uh, next week or in the days to come where we can officially greet you and give a gift for hanging out with us. Uh, we so appreciate you and uh, we honor you today. Did you get anything out of today? I pray that you did. I really do. I pray you know the heart of your pastor. There's a deep, deep love that I have for each and every one of you. And all I want you to do is fulfill your assignment so that when you get to heaven, you can stand in the throne of grace and, and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to release you with a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and bring you peace. And may the Lord our God write his name on your hearts and declare you're my child. No one can take you from my hand. May you know the love of your Savior that came and died for you and rescued you. And may you give that love away to as many as humanly possible. I bless you to be a blessing to your family and your friends and your coworkers and those who don't yet know Jesus. I bless you to bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a Jesus-filled week. We'll see you next week or at the day to discover. God bless you. You're dismissed.